friends, as much as politics is important, the gospel is much more important. And that's where our focus must be. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Friends, we have a major choice before us right now as followers of Jesus, as pastors, leaders, as believers, congregants, as Christian moms and dads, singles, individuals, young people, older people. We have a choice before us right now, right now and in the days ahead, right through this next year. And I want to talk to you about that choice. It's a very important choice. It is a life-impacting, nation-impacting choice. This is the Line of Fire, you're listening to Michael Brown. My joy to be with you today as your voice of moral sanity and spiritual clarity in the midst of a society and chaos in a church all too often in compromise. If you'd like to weigh in or raise another issue or point or question, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. I wrote an article last night. It's up on different sites now. We'll be on different sites in the next few days saying this that politicians should focus on politics. Pastors, Christian leaders should focus on the gospel. Now, now here's the choice that I'm talking about that lies ahead of us. Right now, all eyes in America are on the impeachment hearings and what's going to be happening now in the House and then in the Senate and what's going to be happening leading up to the 2020 elections. And, And barring some massive international or national catastrophe, this is going to be the news cycle, day and night, and day and night, and day and night. And barring divine intervention, every day the divisions are going to get deeper in America. Every day the divisions as to where you stand with President Trump for him or against him, those will get deeper. Whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, whether you're liberal, whether you're conservative, whether you watch CNN or MSNBC or Fox or listen to Rush Limbaugh, the divisions are going to grow deeper. The intensity of emotions is going to increase. There is going to be more and more and more passion about the elections and about the impeachment. It's, it's not going to slow down. Maybe a few days or on Christmas break or New Year's, but otherwise... It's not going to slow down. It's going to intensify. And we, as followers of Jesus, can either dive in this stream and be carried along with it like everyone else and bicker and fight on social media and blast the president or defend the president or blast the impeachment process or defend the impeachment process or whichever way it's going to go. And that can be our all-consuming focus. It's on our mind. We talk about it in our families. It's buzzing in our churches. Or we can say, let's pray for those who are elected officials to do what is right in God's sight. Let us pray for God's best outcome in the impeachment hearings and for God's best outcome in the 2020 elections. Let's be informed. Let's vote wisely. But let us not be caught up with the frenzy. 
Instead, let us major on what can unite us, which is the gospel. Oh, of course, people reject Jesus. We divide over the gospel. But within the body, we unite around the gospel. And, and what does your neighbor need to know? Think of it for a minute. What does your coworker need to know? Where you stand on the president or where you stand on the gospel? What's going to help in the workplace? What's going to help in the home? What's going to help in the community? I don't mean we don't talk about these things, but friends, there is a tremendous temptation to get sucked in. I mean, if you're not sucked in already, you know what I'm talking about, to get sucked in and now you're taking sides and either you're furious with this news cycle and and applauding this other one or the reverse is true or why are they all lying? No, your side is lying. No, he's lying. No, she's lying. And, and, And you could just get so caught up in this and it is all consuming. Or you could say, okay, let the politicians do what they're doing and let us pray for righteousness and God's best plan in the midst of it and God's best plan for the 2020 elections. And let us concentrate on doing good. Let us concentrate on loving God and loving our neighbors ourselves. Let us concentrate on reaching people with the good news of Jesus. 866-34-TRUTH is the number to call to weigh in with your comments, with your questions, with your input. Now, look, I am the last one to say that we should not be involved in what's happening in our culture. You know I'm constantly tackling the controversies and constantly talking about what's happening, the moral, cultural, social issues all the time. And I don't know, as followers of Jesus who are called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, how we can ignore these things. So, so look, if, if I'm in a community, I'm pastor of a local church, and, and we have an opportunity to make an impact for life, pro-life movement, you better believe I'm encouraging my people to get involved. You better believe if there's a radical transgender activist agenda in our, in our children's schools, I'm encouraging parents, let's get involved, let's make a difference, let's speak up, let's reach out. Absolutely. Uh, we should have an opinion about immigration just in terms of, of compassion and righteousness. That's fine, perfectly fine. But that is different than the whole political frenzy. That is different than getting pulled in by the new cycle. Come on, think of it. It used to be once every four years, for a few months, there was a real intense discussion about the elections and you'd really get, get into it more and talk about it more and focus on it more, and that was it. That was before we had 24-7 news, cable news, and other outlets. It it was before you were getting the news by the second on your cell phone or on your your smartwatch, okay? It was, you know, you get a newspaper once a day. You'd maybe watch the news once at night, and it would be the major news happening around the world and in the country, and, and that would be it, all right? The inundation now. And the uniqueness of having Donald Trump as president, that he is, as Newt Gingrich said, the great disruptor, as if in Gingrich's terms, he wakes up every day and says, what can I disrupt? And then the level of divisiveness in politics today, everything just exploding, that in many, many Christian homes, I believe on a daily basis, there's more talk about Donald Trump, pro or con, than about Jesus. And the same thing in the workplace. We have to step higher. Yes, we can have our views and and we can have our opinions and we can have our convictions. 
and we can believe that the elections are important, but the gospel is much, much more important. That must be our focus. That must be our emphasis. We cannot put patriotism before the kingdom of God. We cannot put politics before the kingdom of God. We, we cannot put the vote before the kingdom of God. We have to say kingdom of God first. Yes, through a kingdom of God lens, through God first and what matters to him first, we look at everything in the world around us, including politics, including culture, including media, including music, including entertainment, everything. Yes, it's all filtered through our gospel first lens, but it must be a gospel first lens and a gospel first lifestyle. Now, look, I am a a radio host and a commentator. So I write normally five op-ed pieces a week, all right? And I do a daily live talk show. So we talk about what's happening in the world around us. So more than your average local pastor, more than your traveling speaker or your missionary, I'm going to be commenting on these things and addressing them. And you're going to be tuning in to get my perspective. So it's not just a right wing or a left wing or a Democrat or Republican or a partisan political perspective. You'll get a perspective, hopefully, that's going to sift things through the word and be more biblically balanced than we'd expect the news outlets to be. So yes, I'm addressing these things more than your average minister of the gospel would. But still, I understand if we are really going to see a moral and cultural revolution. It's not going to come through politics. It's going to come through the gospel. If, if there are going to be major changes that come in society, it's not going to be primarily through politics. It's primarily going to be through the gospel. And that means lived out by you and by me. That means that we are ambassadors for Jesus and that we should be known most loudly and most clearly not for our political affiliation, not for how we voted, but where we stand with the gospel, who Jesus is in our lives. And look, I voted for Donald Trump, but I have no sacred obligation to defend his name. But you better believe I'm going to defend the name of Jesus. If the president does something that I don't like, I don't like it. If he makes reference to Nancy Pelosi's teeth falling out of her mouth, I don't like that. I don't have to defend that. That's not my issue. My identity is not found in being a voter of Donald Trump. My identity is I'm not a member of either political party, but if I was, my identity wouldn't be found there. My identity is found in being a follower of Jesus, being a son of God. That's my identity, knowing him and making him known. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. So friends, let's keep our priorities where they need to be. Every day, there's the possibility of getting sucked in. That's so wrong. How could they do that? That's not right. That's not honest. That's not true. And you get pulled in. And it's emotional. But friends, it is largely fleshly. And so much of what happens in D.C. is fleshly. And the swamp is bigger than we realize on all sides. And bias in the media is greater than we realize on all sides. We have the answer. We have what the nation needs. We have the gospel. And friends, what changed your life? Was it political voting? Was it partisan politics? Or was it the gospel? What brought you from death to life? What brought you from addiction to freedom? What brought you from depression to hope? What brought you from a wasted life or a lost life or a hypocritical life? 
or a self-interested life to a life that now glorifies God and helps others. It was Jesus. It was the gospel. And friends, we can't let anything take that away from us, take that emphasis away, take that identity away. So first things first. Yes, politics has its place, but let the politicians concentrate on politics while we concentrate on the gospel. Yeah, I'll weigh in with thoughts on the impeachment, but I told you right at the beginning of the process, I won't get caught up in the hysteria. We've got to step higher if we are to honor the Lord and help the nation. Gospel first. All right, I want to get that off my heart, share it with you. 866-34-TRUTH. You can differ with me. You can think that we need to get more politically involved or step out of the political process entirely. If you have another question or comment, 866-348-7884. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire, 866-348-7884. Hey, a question for you. What if we were the clear majority in society in terms of certain moral beliefs or convictions or public opinion, Americans stood a certain way, and we were part of the majority Then we become part of the minority. How do we act? How do we respond? What should our attitude be as followers of Jesus? How can it be a trap sometimes to be in the majority? We'll talk about that. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to the phones. We'll start in Raleigh with Mac. Welcome to the line of fire. Thank you so much, Dr. Brown. You're welcome. Um, I have a question. It's um, a difficult time sometimes at the holidays anyway, when you have lost ones and you're going through this. And, and every time I turn on the TV, um, it's just, you want to just throw it away, man. It's disgusting. I know our country is e- equally divided, almost 50-50 down the line. Um, but I'm going to ask a hard question. I think it's hard anyway. I've been a Christian for many years. I love the Lord. But the way I understand my Bible is in the end days, which I don't know if we're there, but we're we're a lot closer than we have been. Um, it's going to be like this. What makes me think that anything I can do then is going to change it? Because it's been foretold already. It's going to fall apart. You know, and we and Christians just have to look to God. You know, all the things that you said. But I don't think there's going to be any way to repair this. It's right. going to get worse and keep spiraling. How do I keep from being so depressed as a Christian? How do yeah. I, you know, because this... I'm I'm of the flesh. I don't want to be there, but I find myself crying and I find myself really dissatisfied with life. And and I should be so happy that I have hope in God and a plan our internal place. But right now, I'm so miserable. Yeah. All right, Mac, there are a couple of questions. I I want to address your personal feelings and attitude in, in a moment. But let me give you another perspective to consider. All right. First John chapter two says something very interesting. It, it it says this in verse eight. I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing, and the true light is already shining. Every day, 
around the world, thousands of people are coming to the Lord. Uh, if you looked at the turn of the century, say going from the 1800s into the 1900s in Africa, maybe 2% of the world's Christian population was based in Africa, whatever. It was, it was a tiny, tiny amount. Now, one out of every four Christians in the world is, is African. The gospel is spreading in incredible ways around the whole world. People are getting saved and delivered and set free. Just coming back from India, it continues to be amazing to see what God is doing and who he's bringing to himself. The same thing in the Muslim world. Some of my friends involved in Jewish evangelism are seeing things happen that have never happened. All that to say, while in many ways it's very dark, it's always been dark since Adam and Eve fell. I mean, remember, Adam and Eve fall. Their firstborn son kills their secondborn son. I mean, that's, that's horrific, and that's right out of the gate. And right now, things in the world are not as bad as they were in World War II with the Holocaust and the, the millions and millions of lives that were lost. America right now, as divided as it is, is not the way it was during the time of, say, the Civil War or bloodiest war or costliest war where you have family members killing other family members. I could go on and on in world history. As much as we love New Testament times, maybe then one out of every three or 400 people was saved. And, and today, uh, the number worldwide is more like one out of every three or four, you know, that, that, that the gospel is spread so dynamically and so amazingly. So I first want to concentrate on what God is doing and how the light is getting brighter and more and more people are coming to faith. And as I understand end-time scripture, Matt, it's not that everything is going to collapse, but you're going to have parallel extremes. The wheat and the tares both growing to full measure. The harvest of good and evil coming to full measure. And Paul describes it in Romans 11 as the fullness of the Gentiles coming in, and then all Israel being saved. In other words, the greatest harvest of souls is yet ahead. So even if things collapse more and more in the society, I believe it's going to bring more and more opportunity for the gospel, and more and more people will be coming to faith. So that's the first thing. The bigger picture, you know, look at it like the egg is cracking, but, but the bird inside the egg is starting to flutter its wings and, and start to come out. So it's, it's both happening simultaneously. In Europe and America, there's been a real spiritual decrease in many ways. But in Latin America and Asia and Africa, there is an incredible gospel explosion. So first look at what God is doing and how more and more light is shining. That's one thing. Here's the second thing. I can give you quotes from 1,800 years ago, from 1,000 years ago, from 100 years ago, where people said, it's the end of the age, everything is in place, it's only going to get darker. Imagine if people actually believed that through the centuries, we'd never have progress. We, we never would have gotten rid of slavery in America because, hey, this is the end of the age and it's only getting worse. We wouldn't be fighting the pro-life battle because, hey, it's the end of the age and everything's getting worse. I just read that one out of every three abortion clinics in America is closed within the last five years. I believe that was the stat, that we're making strides, things are happening. So I don't look at it as... We're right at the end, everything's going to come down. What if we have 50 years ahead of us? What if 100 years? What if 10 years? I mean, we, we really don't know. All I know is 
that today is the can day you of hear salvation. Me? Can you hear yeah. me still? Yeah, I, I was wanting to let you go ahead and talk, but um, I, I, let me just give you a perspective of what you said. It's very yeah. positive, the way, the way you spun it, if you will. It was awesome, because the devil gets you in these deep depressions, and I know it's him. I recognize it, but it's still hard for me to fight him. You know, and I'd say, get behind me in the name of Jesus, and, you know, I still find myself every day fighting this. And I thought when I became a Christian many years ago, it wasn't going to be this hard. There's going to be a lot more joy than, than all the agony. And it's and I praise God that I, he's attacking me, because I mean he's not, I'm not his. But No, but it's right, Matt. You are right. There should be more joy. There should be more yeah. victory. And sometimes there are strongholds in our own lives, things from the past, uh, things just in, in, in the way we think. Sometimes, sometimes it's a simple matter of diet. You know, many people get relieved of depression when they change their diet. But I believe God's desire for you, Mac, is that in the midst of trials and tests in a difficult world, that you're filled with joy, that you're filled with peace, that you're filled with hope, even though there's pain and there's suffering. We can't get away from that in this world and sometimes in our own lives and very close to us. Would you, would you, would you and, pray and yet, for me, please? Yeah, I'm, I'm, go- I'm, I'm absolutely yeah. going to pray for you, Mac. I, I want to do that, and, and I, I want to pray. I want to encourage you also, instead of constantly trying to fight the enemy, to just say, Lord, make your strength perfect in my weakness. Lord, I'm in over my head, but all things are possible with you. In other words, lean back on him to do the fighting for you, all right? There is a time that we fight and that we resist, but sometimes we're trying so hard to put the enemy under our feet, and the key thing is to say, Lord, you rise up and fight I'm no match for the devil, I'm but I'm so blessed, but, Dr. Brown. I'm so blessed, and I know it, but I still feel miserable. And I know yeah, well, it logically. I look at my life, it's, oh, my God, I have it. I'm so lucky. Yeah, well, Mac, so, I, I'm, I'm going to pray for you, first, that God will work in your life, and then that God will connect you with some people, some godly counselors with some wisdom, because I believe there's some root things, and if we can get to those, that that it'll, it'll lift this depression off you, because it's not the way— it's supposed to be. So, Father, I pray for Mac and, and for others that are in the same situation. He called, but he's speaking for many, many others that are listening right now. I pray, God, that your grace would flood his heart, that hope would flood his heart, that joy would flood his heart, that an excitement about the future, an assurance about the future, that, that he would know that all is well in you. I pray for that glorious, inexpressible joy to flood him because of who Jesus is and who he is in the Lord. And I pray, God, that if there are root issues in any way that are dragging him down, that you connect him with some godly counselors who could get to the root of those issues so he can find lasting freedom. May your smile and blessing be upon him. And Lord, we are determined to concentrate on what you were doing and to focus on your works more than the works of the enemy. And in that, there is joy. Hey, God bless you, Mac. Thank you for calling and opening your heart. May this be the year of breakthrough for you. 866-348-7884. I want to talk to you about Hallmark. I want to talk to you about Netflix. Yeah, some things going on that you should be aware of and more. And listen, friends, We have an open door to expand this radio broadcast on major stations all over America. 
and to massively expand their internet outreach. And you know what it's going to take? One dollar a day. You can't, you can't buy a lot with a dollar. Come on, let's be honest. You can't buy a lot these days with a dollar. But a dollar a day in God's hands can be multiplied to reach millions. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Right now, if you can, not if you're driving, all right? But right now, go to askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org. Click on Donate, but then click on Monthly Support. Become a torchbearer. Join our team, and every month we pour back into you a brand new audio message every month, free access to our Ask the Doctor Middle East TV shows that were done interacting with men on the street in Israel, religious Jews, secular Jews, our Ask Me Anything show for God TV, answering questions from around the world, online classes, how to be led by the Holy Spirit, foundations of prayer and intercession, other things, in-depth classes, Messiah and Jewish tradition, all yours free. Discount our online bookstore. Discount our Israel trip. Become a torchbird today. One dollar a day. It's that simple. And together, friends, we'll shake the nation. Go right now. AskDrBrown.org. Click on Donate Monthly Support. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I just launched a poll. Just launched it literally seconds ago. Hit, click, tweet to send it out immediately before we went on the air. Now, Michael Brown, delighted to be with you today on the Line of Fire. 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884 is the number to call. As I have been saying and emphasizing, rather than getting caught up in the political storm, getting caught up with our emotions, with our time, with our energy, with our focus, let us focus on Jesus. Let us focus on the gospel. Let us focus on knowing God and making him known. While we are aware of what's happening with the political scene around us, let us not be caught up in the storm of it. I genuinely believe it is a trap of the enemy, yes, of the devil, to get Christians so focused on politics and news that we take our eyes off the Lord, that we have all the time in the world to catch up on the news, to read, to watch, however we take it in, to listen, and yet we don't have time to be with the Lord. We don't have time to be in the Word. We don't have time to be in prayer. We don't have time to share the gospel with the lost, but boy, do we have time to make our opinions known on the news. Think of how many more people we could help if daily we prayed over social media. Lord, how can I bless somebody today? How can I help someone today? How can I reach someone today? How can I minister to someone today? As opposed to, I got to get my opinion in here on this or that. Just something to think about. Look, even when I write my opinion pieces, which is most days of the week, I'm constantly thinking, Lord, how can I help? How can I edify? What can I do to glorify you? 866-348-7884. So there was a time in America where the overwhelming majority of Americans would absolutely not countenance for a split second the idea of two men or two women, quote, marrying. The vast majority of Americans would have looked negatively on a homosexual relationship, let alone the idea of homosexual marriage. You could say, yeah, but now people know better. Now they have gay friends, neighbors, colleagues, co-workers, family members, just like them, normal families, etc. And they realize they just 
had biases and they were bigoted and they were wrong in their approach and that's why public opinions changed. But public opinions changed partly because of that, largely because of the bombardment from media, social media, the constant beating of the drum of of those that don't agree are are bigoted and hateful. Those that don't agree are homophobes and biphobes and transphobes and whatever other phobes there are. And that if you hold to the Bible, you're, you're following some Bronze Age, antiquated religion that's hateful and misogynist and so on and so forth. The bottom line is the Word of God hasn't changed. Bottom line is the truth hasn't changed. Bottom line is God's design for men and women hasn't changed. Hasn't changed. Doesn't mean he hates someone that same sex attracted. No, Jesus died for someone same sex attracted, just like he died for everybody else. But God has a better way than gay relations. It's not his plan. It's not according to his word. It's quite contrary to his word. So here's the big question: What do we do if we were once in the vast majority with our viewpoints, but now find ourselves in the minority with? consistently a majority of Americans who are polled being favorable to or certainly not against same-sex relations, all right, and, and same-sex, quote, marriage. It's not just the Supreme Court decision a few years ago, but it's also the issue of popular opinion and what's normal and what's accepted and what you see in the movies and TV and so on and so forth. So what do we do? We do the same as we always do. We live right and we believe what we believe, and we hold to it. In, in other words, being in the minority or the majority doesn't matter in terms of our convictions, in terms of our viewpoints. If the whole world thinks that something is right and God's word says it's wrong, we go with God's word. If our families turn against us because we're loyal to Jesus, it breaks our heart, but we're going to be loyal to Jesus. I mean, Jesus himself said in Matthew 10, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Uh, Jesus calls for radical loyalty and ruthless love, that, that we say no to our own selves in order to say yes to God. And in doing so, we find life. And in doing so, we find hope. And in doing so, we find purpose and meaning. So, I don't really care if you have a gay candidate with, quote, his husband, and they're talking about, oh, Mayor Pete and Chaston would be the first gentleman, etc. They didn't talk about that all they want. It's still wrong and sinful. I still pray for them to repent and truly know the Lord as they're professing Christians that they repent and truly know the Lord. It doesn't change that public opinion change. There may be less things that I could watch, maybe I just want to unwind, maybe flying overseas and going to try to find an acceptable movie to watch and watching something. And now there's some, you know, overt pushing forward of a same-sex couple to make some point. Okay, well, it's going to bother me. I'm not going to watch that. Just like if it was some exalting of adultery or the couple sleeping together at a wedlock and that was kind of like a, a, a virtuous thing being put forward. No, I'm not going to enjoy that. All right. But in terms of my own stance, that's not going to change. What am I saying? I'm saying that the church, the true church, the, the remnant, those that really believe, they're never going to accept the social changes. They're never going to embrace that. You'll have compromises that do, and you'll have people who are well-meaning but ill-advised that will change their views. But the gospel spreading around the world is spreading in Bible-based ways. The vast majority of those coming to faith around the world, the vast, 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 vast majority are, are, are what you would call conservative believers, not, not progressive. 
not so-called progressive liberal, no fundamental Bible believers that, that hold to the truths we've held to for 2,000 years. So the fact is we might be in the minority of what the church feels we're well. Here, I'll give you an example. The Methodists, all right? Methodist Church in America very much wanted to swing liberal and wanted to introduce something that, hey, there are some of our churches that can remain traditional, and if they don't accept same-sex marriage or, or gay pastors and things like that, they don't accept that they don't have to, but the rest of us will. All right, let that be the church position. Well, no, that's not what happened. Why? Because of Methodists in Africa and because of Methodists in Russia. They said, no, the Bible hasn't changed. Why should we change? As, as one African pastor said, I'm so glad I don't have to go to a village and tell the old man there that, that the Bible changed. I'm glad I don't have to do that because the Bible didn't change. All right? So the point I'm making is in America right now, in Europe, where the church is at is actually in the minority. It's a minority in numbers, and it's in the minority in terms of conviction. That as the church is spreading around the world, it's spreading with strong conviction and holding to biblical values. But regardless of the numbers, we do what's right because it's right. We hold to what we hold to because it's true. So I don't care if, well, you're going to lose this and lose this and lose this unless you capitulate. So we lose it. We lose it. Jesus already said, if you save your life, you lose it. If you lose your life for my sake in the gospel, you find it. That's where everything starts, right? So look, we're going to use all the means that we can. YouTube remains an open door. And I keep getting surprised by YouTube. When we did a very intense interview earlier this week with the man formerly known as General Butt Naked, a a man who was a a warlord involved in atrocities, witchcraft, human sacrifice, and things like that, before getting radically converted, now doing what he can to bring healing and life to his country and submitting to the legal authorities with his life. YouTube approved that for monetization. They approved. That was a shocker. A few others they've approved. Many others, they don't. Okay, as long as the door's open... We'll walk through it. If we ultimately have to compromise our message, then we find another door. But we are not going to change who we are and what we believe to be accepted by people. So Hallmark comes under attack. Family channel, family movies, things like that, right? You're not going there for the equivalent of HBO or Showtime, as I understand Hallmark. And they have some ads, you know, lesbian themed ads and things like that, Million Moms protest, all this, they apologize, they pull it, well, then they come under pressure from gay activists, well, now they've reinstated everything. You say, well, should we boycott? I just say, act your conscience. Act your conscience. Maybe it's time to send a message and to say, hey, listen, we, we in good conscience can't give you our business because you are scorning our values. Or you'd say, you know, I just don't want to be subject to that kind of stuff. I'm not going to watch. That, that's between you and God. Netflix. Netflix is notoriously to the left. And, and we'll take a show. Maybe it's a TV show. Then it comes on Netflix for version. You know it's going to get sexualized. You know it's going to get LGBT activists. It's just going to go in that direction. So Netflix puts out a Christmas special with a gay Jesus. Yeah. What else is new, right? What else would you expect from that? that? That's what they put out. So 
You might say, okay, I've had it. It's just it's too much. I don't want to give them my subscription money. Great. Good. Just if, if that's the direction they want to go and they're going to offend people, it's one thing to say, hey, there's all kinds of stuff available and some of it's more adult-themed and some of it's more gay-themed and some of it's more this-themed and that-themed and that's just the world out there and you say, okay, I'm just going to watch what I want to watch. It's between you and God. You might say, well, I don't want to, I don't want to give my money to support the other trash. Fine. Great. But when it comes to just trampling on values of people, intent, look, this is done intentionally. It's not an accident. It's like, oh, what just hatched here? Oh, a gay Jesus theme for Christmas. No, this is done intentionally. This is done with a message, with, with a plan. So you say, hey, I'm, I'm done. You say, okay, I, I will not, I cannot participate in this. No way, no how. You, look, we existed before Netflix. We existed before streaming video. Or try out PureFlix. Hey, in fact, do this now. Go to my website, askdrbrown, askdrbrown.org, and you'll see it right on the homepage. All right, you'll see these different screens come by, these banners. Look for the PureFlix one, click on it. So go to my website, askdrbrown.org, and click on the PureFlix banner, and, and check it out for a month, right? Just subscribe for a month. It's free, and check it out. Every movie Christian-based, Bible-based, family-friendly. If, if it's not a specific Christian movie or Bible movie, it's guaranteed to be family-friendly. And a wide range, maybe you'll st- find stuff there that's like, hey, why do I need Netflix when I need PureFlix? They're the ones that put out God's Not Dead 1 and 2 and some of the other movies. They were, they were involved in the Breakthrough movie and some others. So check it out. But, but either way, we're going to live the way we live. That's the point. We're going to live the way we live. The world can be as worldly as it gets, but we are going to be counterculture people going against the grain. That's always how it's going to be in this world, in Jesus. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at a comment on Facebook from Cynthia. We in this country are in this place because the body of Christ has been hiding in the church, not getting involved, and guess what? This is what you get. It is not pastors need to focus on the gospel. It's that Christians need to get up out of the stinky pews and get busy. So I I agree and I disagree. I'm talking about focusing on the gospel, not politics. We absolutely get involved in the culture wars. We absolutely get involved in, in standing for life of the unborn and standing for the meaning of marriage and family and pushing back against LGBTQ extremism in standing up for religious freedoms, in standing with Israel, in working for righteousness in our society. We absolutely get involved with that, but that's not politics. Politics intersects with that, but that's not primarily politics. So there's a big difference there. All right. I asked this question on Twitter, just posted it right before we started at the bottom of the hour. Have you heard of the so-called Seven Mountain Mandate for Christians? If so, do you think it's good and biblical or bad and unbiblical? 
Now, interestingly, only the first you know, 70-something votes have come in, and a lot of people haven't heard about it, so we're not going to get 1,000 or 2,000 or more votes as we often do in our polls. Uh, but so far, the first 74 votes, only 15% said biblical, 47% said unbiblical, and 38% said unsure. Now, you might say, well, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with this. I, I don't even know what it means. So I'm going to put up two websites for you. Um, two websites. The first is a negative. The second is a positive. And I'm bringing this up today in terms of the question of the church's involvement. How involved do we get in the culture around us? I'm just urging you not to get absorbed in politics. Not Donald Trump is not the answer to our problems and is not the cause of our problems. All right? Sin is the cause of our problems. Jesus is the answer to our problems. Let's major on where we need to major. But how much do we get involved in culture? So there is something called the seven mountains or seven mountains mandate. What are the seven mountains? So the seven mountains are seven mountains of of culture, of society, namely education. Here's the order you normally get them. Education, religion, family, business, government slash military, arts slash entertainment, and media. Some would argue and say, um, actually, Kai, put the other, the other side up first, the God questions one. Uh, some would argue that uh, religion is not one of the mountains because religion is the church itself. But this is to break down a society, say break down America or different nations into seven different spheres, education, religion, family, business, government, military, arts, entertainment, media. The way it's understood by critics, or say on the God Questions site, godquestions.org, which is a great site in many ways, but I don't believe it's charismatic, maybe largely reformed, but great site in, in many ways. What is the seven mountains mandate, and is it biblical? The answer given here is the seven mountain mandate, or the seven mountain prophecy, is an anti-biblical and damaging movement that has gained a following in some charismatic and Pentecostal churches Those who follow the seven mountain mandate believe that in order for Christ to return to earth, the church must take control of the seven major spheres of influence in society for the glory of Christ. Once the world has been made subject to the kingdom of God, Jesus will return and rule the world. I agree that that would be anti-biblical. That would be, or not anti-biblical as much as unbiblical. The idea that the church must take control of education, religion, family, business, government, military, arts, entertainment, media before Jesus will return. That view would be unbiblical. But interestingly, that's, that's not the way I've understood Seven Mountains. I know some people hold to that. I know some believe in that. But as I understand it, and, and let's look at the generals.org website description. As I understood the origins of this, in 1975... Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade, and Lauren Cunningham, founder of Youth with a Mission. So these are souls, 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 win the loss, win the loss, win the loss, make disciples. That's their emphasis. So Bill Bright, Campus Crusade, Lauren Cunningham, Youth with a Mission, they developed a God-given world-changing strategy. Their mandate, bring godly change to a nation by reaching its seven spheres or mountains of societal influence— They concluded that in order to truly transform any nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ, these seven factors of society must be reached and then listed there in slightly different order, religion, family, education, government, media, arts, entertainment, business. Okay, so what's the difference in what the two are saying? As I understood it, 
simultaneously and completely separately, Bill Bright and Lauren Cunningham got this strong vision in their heart. We want to win the lost. We, we want to impact whole nations with the gospel. How are we going to do it unless we get involved in these different areas? How are we going to do it if the media is totally anti-Christian? If, if the education system is totally unbiblical? If, if the entertainment system is just devoid of God and we have no influence in any of these areas, it's going to hinder our evangelism. But if, if we can make an impact, hey, why not target colleges and, and, and win professors to the Lord and, and urge godly, brilliant students to, to become university professors and to, or, or school teachers and to change the educational mentality and, and to make it more gospel-friendly, then we can win more people to the Lord. And these are different spheres that we should impact. Here, I mean, do you think it would be in America's best interest if our children's schools were not pushed by such a radical liberal agenda, say, as the, the NEA, the, which most of the teachers of America or a large majority are involved with? It is strongly pro-abortion. It is strongly gay activists. I think it would be better if the American Library Association was not recommending drag queens reading the toddlers in schools. I think it would be better if college campuses were more friendly to Christian beliefs and things like that. You think it would help us preach the gospel more? Do you think we could get our message out more if the media was so uh, was not as hostile to our message all the time? So as I understood it, Seven Mountains just meant get involved in all these different areas as a gospel witness, seek to be salt and light, and this is a way that we can get the message of the gospel out to the nation more effectively and produce more positive change in the nation. Understanding that we're always going to be in a fallen world until Jesus comes, understanding that the kingdom will not be fully manifest until he comes and sets it up, understanding that we are not going to take over, but we're going to serve, that's how I've understood it. As I've understood it, it's like, yeah, make a difference everywhere. Make a difference on the college campus. Make a difference in the business world. How many of you are kingdom businessmen? And you meet together with other kingdom-minded businessmen and you pray. And, and how can we raise the ethic in, in our business industry here? And how can we generate more funds to, to help pour into the inner cities or to help pour into missionaries in different countries or, or to help pour into women that choose to have their babies and that are impoverished and things like that? How can we generate more funds for gospel work and kingdom work? And, and you pray and you strategize together, not just because you want to get rich, but because you want to use funds for the good of the kingdom and, and to help people. So to me, these are good and healthy things. The way it was presented on GodQuestions.org, and I'm sure that's how some hold to it, those in particular who hold to dominionist theology, which I reject, which I reject and have always rejected, the idea that the church is going to take over the world, take over culture, and impose the kingdom on the earth. No, no, it's not going to work. No theocracy. When Jesus returns, he'll set up a theocracy. Until then, we are not setting up a theocracy. It would be disastrous if we do. All right? So, my point is, by all means, let's have godly influence in the so-called seven mountains. Why not? Why should we leave it all to the devil? Why should we leave education all to the devil? Entertainment all to the devil? Media all to the devil? 
Why am I on the air if we're leaving media to the devil? Why do we have Christian schools and universities if we're leaving education to the devil? Why are you sending your kid to a Christian school or homeschooling your kid unless you, you want to have some positive influence on your kids and, and maybe develop a network where there can be positive influence that will challenge the culture, right? So in that sense, I embrace Seven Mountains in terms of let's have a positive gospel influence in every area of society and have a society that is more conducive to gospel values and kingdom values, whereby we can win more people to the Lord and, and, and export the gospel from our country to other parts of the world. But the idea that we're going to take over, take over the Seven Mountains and, and enforce that on the world, no, that's, that's dangerous and unbiblical, and I agree that's very wrong. So let's have a positive influence, but recognize it's always going to be a fallen world, always going to be a messed up world, always going to be a lost world, but all the more do we shine like lights. So about the impeachment, I see fault on every side. I see untruths and exaggerations on every side. I see partisan politics on every side. I do believe that the Democrats from day one, different ones, have been plotting ways to impeach the president. So I do not believe he's committed impeachable offenses. On the other hand, I also believe that he provokes his political enemies needlessly in many, many ways. But my first and foremost focus is on Jesus and making him known. I pray for God's best outcome here. And come 2020, if it was Donald Trump running against any of the radical liberal Democrats, he'd get my vote. But that doesn't mean I defend him. Doesn't mean I agree with him. Doesn't mean I like his personality. Means that between these two choices, as I evaluate it, I feel that he would be best for a long-term interest. As long as we don't identify more with Trump than with Jesus. We'll be back 